What a delight to know that the Lord is over it all. Someone is in control of the zoo. And I'm glad it is the Lord. I uh, want to begin with a question this morning to kind of uh, build off of, in many ways, what we just sang about. Uh, We just sang some marvelous truths about our Lord. Um, And here's my question. Are you okay with God being mysteriously at work? Are you okay with God being mysteriously at work? In other words, are you okay with God understanding everything and you not? Are you okay with that, really? Or do you have to have everything explainable to you and everything manageable to you? Or are you okay with God being God and allowing God to work mightily and mysteriously even when we don't understand? Are you okay with that? It's a big question. With that, I just kind of want to give a word of exhortation or encouragement to us all. Less trying so hard to impress the Lord and more falling into the Lord. Less trying so hard to impress the Lord and more falling into the Lord. Let me just read, you listen, as I read from Luke chapter 10, familiar story. I'm sure you will know what it is as as soon as I get started. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, was serving a good thing? Absolutely. Serving. Man, uh, worship, walk, and work uh, for Christ. Bless her heart. Way to go, Martha. But notice the text as I read this. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. (laughs) But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. Might I say, less trying so hard to impress the Lord and more falling into the Lord. God, I just pray as we dive into our text today that we would just fall into you. Lord, one of the things I love about this church and these people here is that they are hard workers. And God, that is a big deal to you. You want your people serving. You want your people working hard. You want your people to have a strong work ethic. And yet, Lord, you just know we have this way of becoming legalists. I would just pray that we would better understand what it is to fall into you. 
So take us on a journey this morning in your word, Lord. And show us you. Because it is marvelous. It is reassuring. And it gives rest. So we seek to do that, Lord. We need your help. In Christ's name, amen. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, please turn there in your Bibles. We're page 988, if you're using one of the Bibles behind the seats there. Page 988. Um, this Sunday, and followed by next Sunday, we finish the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, what are we going to do after that? I'll tell you here a little later. We're in the final verses here. I've never gone through an epistle so slowly. And um, God has been using it huge in my life. I trust that the Lord is, would be using it in your life as well. First Thessalonians chapter 5, let me read. We just have two verses today, verses 23 and 24. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Okay, let's work through these two verses, kind of phrase by phrase. Let's actually start out with the first word. First word I have in the English Standard Version is now. Now. Uh, Now, this is an important word. The now of verse 23 is moving us towards the close. In fact, you look at it, and it's, it's not a very long letter here, and you look at it, and then you see now, and you kind of know that now we're about to get to the end of the letter. Next Sunday is the end of the letter in the final verses of it. Now is an important movement here with this word. Uh, in other words, what's just been said, now we're moving into something. All right. Um, um, here in it, we've had this letter where I would say the first three chapters have been about encouragement. First three chapters really are about encouragement. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are, are just telling these God of work stories. How God has been at work in the, uh, those in this young church in Thessalonica with these young believers. And, and they're telling what God has done in them and through them. Chapter 2, they begin to tell about what God has done in and through Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And then it comes back to them. And it's just these God at work stories of what's taking place in this. And it's just hugely encouraging through it. And I would just say this. A church that is on the move is a church that remembers where it's grounded in God at work. It is seeing God at work and remembering God at work in it. This is not just a stale thing, but God is at work, and and we need to be digging those out and reminding ourselves of God at work, encouragement. Then we find in this letter, it kind of moves into instruction in chapters 4 and 5 with it, filled with instruction. God's will for you, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, is your sanctification. Sanctification, it simply means to be set apart. God's will for you is to be set apart more and more for the Lord, for his glory. 
in that. And it instructs about loving one another. And it instructs about the Lord's coming. And it instructs about the day of the Lord. And then the last three Sundays we've been in this conversation in the last paragraph or two about this whole, uh, what it looks like to live as a community of believers together and instructing in that. And out of all this encouragement and out of all this instruction, the now of verse 23 shows up. And this now is introducing something I think that is absolutely critical here. This was such a delight for me to be able to grab a hold of this. I did not realize how big these couple verses are in the whole movement of the book. Doug, you're making a really big deal out of that. You better make the sale. Okay, I'm going to try, but that's God's word and God's job to do, but uh, God helped me to do that here. Listen, here's what goes. God has been encouraging and instructing through this. And there is just this messed up tendency in us to be able to take what God says that we should be doing and should be thinking, and we just take it and we have this way of turning it into rules and regulations. We just have this bizarre way of stacking it to measure it. And kind of like we could finish this book by going, okay, so work harder, Harvest. Because that's what a church on the move does is they work hard. Put your nose to the spiritual grindstone and and, and like let's go at it and let's go harder and we have to make it happen. And and by the way, leadership needs to get together and develop programs and schedules and to-do lists with check boxes so that we can know that we're doing it and we're advancing in it and, and then we use that to measure our spiritual success and, and also we do that to be able to measure who the failures are in it. Whether we want to on purpose or not, that's where that ends up going. And we just have this bizarre way of making stuff like that happen. Might we say, look in the Gospels in the New Testament with the Pharisees and what God's people had done with his guidelines in it? But the now of verse 23 and 24 just stops the reader in his or her tracks if he or she will be willing to be stopped. Consider what it says. Because I believe these two verses prevent us from turning this into a list rule guide. Loved ones, be encouraged. Because it is not by your or my strength. It is only by God's strength. And now we need to be reminded of that. And that's what's happening in these verses. By the way, might I remind us that later in the book of Job, when Job kind of, bless his heart, starts going off the rails with the Lord, the Lord in chapter 38 and then chapter 40 kind of sits Job down and I love it because he tells him, um, Job, gird up your loins like a man. I just love that term. And uh, what does God say? Does God go, Job, you're not working hard enough. Job, you're, you, you didn't have your devotional today. And Job, I have the check sheet. and You only have five checks for the week. No. God reminds Job of who God is. Might I say it that God invites Job to lean back into who God is. That was the problem. 
Job, let me remind you, chapters 38 and 39, of who I am. Job responds, you're right, Lord. That is who you are, and I lost sight of that. No, Job, I'm not done. Sit down. Gird your loins up like a man. I'm not done. Chapter 40 and 41. Job, let me remind you of who I am. Chapter 42. You're right, Lord. I repent. I lean back into you. Jonah, small groups. Jonah was kind of out on God's call for him. It's really interesting in in the beginning of chapter one that Jonah, what does Jonah run from? He runs from the presence of the Lord. He runs from the presence of the Lord, not the to-do list. The presence of the Lord is how it is stated. Then in chapter two, Jonah, writing about himself, answers what wasn't working. It, It wasn't that he had to work harder You go, you'll find it when we get there. Jonah had to remember who the Lord is. He, he, He was leaning away rather than leaning into. The answer wasn't for Jonah even to get up and doggone it, do what God told you to do. The answer was for Jonah to stay tight, fallen into the Lord. That's what it was about. And here we can get at the end of this great book of 1 Thessalonians, and we could take this somewhere where I don't think God intended us to take it. So I'm driving this nail today. The now here helps us stay on track with who's in charge. And it's not me, and it's not you. It's the Lord. And the Lord is the one who is in charge because the Lord is the one who is the power and the source. And the answer isn't to do more. The answer is to lean in more to him. Verse 23. Now, here we go. May the God of peace. Interesting. God is the source of salvation. God is the source of salvation. It's interesting, the term there, why didn't he just say, and now God himself? It's making a statement here of, of, of the kind of, the aspect of God that we're talking about. Now, this is not like a, a Miss Universe piece, like world peace. It's supposed to kind of be funny, but um, not that kind of like fluffy piece. This is actually, just cut to the chase of it, this is kind of terminology that's used again and again. This is salvific terminology. This is God is the one who brings redemption. God is the one who restores peace and relationship between him and, 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 and those who are separated from him, mankind who have sinned. And, and God is the one who restores peace. This is a salvific terminology. In other words, it's starting this statement out by saying that God is a source of salvation. And by the way, God is the source of salvation every part of it every piece of salvation is all God's work all of it there's not a lick of it not a piece of it that you and I can say we made it happen yeah but I received Jesus Christ as my savior yeah and that's credited to God but I still don't get that are you okay with the mystery of it all 
From my vantage point, when I was seven years old, I prayed and received Christ as my Savior, no question about it. Began a walk with the Lord. From God's perspective, he did it all. The Lord is the one that calls. The Lord is the one that saves. The Lord is the one that redeems. Man, I don't know why I'm so emotional today. The Lord is the one that reconciles. The Lord is the one that justifies. All of it is God. All of it is God. Loved one, if you are trying to earn God's favor, you're in gross error. Are you okay with the unexplainable? The God of peace. By the way, I want to note something about this because I think it's really important with what's about to come. God did not abdicate the work of salvation to someone else. God did not delegate that. The Godhead did not delegate that. Why didn't the Godhead delegate that to someone else? It's like, I think I would have. I mean, isn't that what leadership's supposed to do? Delegate? But the Godhead didn't do that. God himself did that. Keep that in mind. Pause. Before we leave this salvific terminology of the God of peace, do you know the God of peace? I mean, do you, I, I do not mean, do you know about the God of peace? I mean, is the God of peace a story reality to you? Have you been redeemed by Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where you've come to understand that scriptures say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Do you understand that? Do you know that? That, that we begin because of sin separated from relationship with God. And by the way, Ephesians 2, we cannot earn it. We cannot earn God's saving favor. We can't earn it. I mean, how much do we have to do to earn it? Can't earn it. Instead, like the believers in chapter 2, verse 13 in Thessalonica... We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Do you understand? The story starts somewhere. Their journey with the Lord began somewhere. It began with the receiving and accepting of the word of God. And not only did it begin there, but look at the verse of 13. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you. A person that is redeemed in Christ is a person that is being sanctified in Christ, that is growing in Christ, is being set apart in Christ. Listen, is your story just a story of like praying a prayer? There should be a story that continues after that. That's the proof of the reality of it. Not that you have earned it, but that you get it, that you are there, that you understand what is taking place. Salvation in Christ is not simply knowing the story of Christ, because even the demons know that. And salvation is not a past-only story. You know, that was a thing in my life way back when. That, that's not what it's about. Salvation is a receiving story that continues as a God of work story. It's a falling into Christ at one point and continuing to fall in again and again and again. God is the source of 
salvation. If you're not sure about that, oh, I beg of you talk with someone about that. It's not I hope that I hope that I hope that I am redeemed in Christ. It's I know that I know that I know I am redeemed in Christ. And that's where it all begins. God is the source of salvation. Now the God of peace, the God that saved you, the God that is the source of your salvation. Look at this, look at this. That's just the setup. He himself will sanctify you. God is the source of salvation and God is the source of sanctification. God is the source of sanctification. Sanctify, that's kind of an intimidating word, isn't it? I mean, like who uses that during their daily talk times? It's too bad because we probably should use it as a daily word, especially because chapter four, verse three, that is the will of God for us. Our sanctification, what does sanctify mean? It means to dedicate, it means to make holy, it means to set apart. The song, holy, 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 it's saying set apart, set apart, set apart is the Lord, unlike any other. The Lord desires that we become increasingly set apart by the word. God is all about this word. The Godhead has set apart all kinds of things over redemptive history. God set apart the seventh day. God set apart Israel as a nation. God set apart Mount Sinai. Scriptures tell us that God set apart Aaron and his sons. That God set apart Jesse and his son David. That God set apart Jeremiah. The scriptures tell us that God set apart the tabernacle. The scriptures tell us that God set apart the temple. In the New Testament, uh, scriptures tell us that God set apart John the baptizer. Tells us that God set apart the 12 apostles. And in the New Testament, the Godhead also says that he is about setting apart you and me and us. Think about that. A people set apart. A people set apart is comprised of individuals that are set apart, increasingly so. God is the source of sanctification. I want for us to note in the text, God is the source of sanctification directly. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. The you is plural to the people at the church of Thessalonica. God is a source of sanctification directly, as as with salvation. The God does not pass the work of salvation off to someone else. Uh, The Godhead did not pass it off to Gabriel. Godhead did not pass the work of salvation off to the angels. Godhead did not pass it off to some other heavenly minions. The Godhead did not pass it off to any of the four living creatures surrounding the throne. There's no delegation of the work of salvation. And there's no delegation of the work of sanctification. The Godhead is directly involved in your sanctification. Loved one, you gotta sit on that for a while. I think there is a tendency within us to sometimes think that God is kind of way far away, like at least past the moon. That's not true. That's not true at all. 
we have a tendency to think towards salvation. Jesus was involved in the whole cross and resurrection thing like a long, long time ago. Like, what is it, a couple thousand years ago and that. And, and he was here with that. And kind of now he's somewhere else. And there's just that sense of distance. That's not true. He came then, and he's active now. He was active, if you know Christ as your Savior, he was directly active in your salvation. This is not passed off to any of the other heavenly minions. Godhead itself was directly involved with you. Directly. When I was seven years old, I just knew I didn't want to go to hell. And I came to understand that the scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and even at seven, I could connect those dots. And I didn't like where those dots were connecting to. And all I knew was I didn't want that. Not a smart kid, but I was smart enough to know that. Oh, wait, no, no, no. God was the one who directly was involved in helping that little seven-year-old boy come to understand that. That wasn't me. That was God moving on in me and you too, if you have such a story. God is not some direct far-off being that's like floating in the abyss and is invisible and is like distant. Listen, brother, sister... He is like on planet earth, involved with you at your, at your salvation and ever since then as well. In your sanctification, in your being set apart, God is directly involved in that. I just say fall into that. Be reassured in that. That is awesome, man. To be politically correct as well today, that is awesome, woman. Right? That is awesome. Directly, God is the source of sanctification. Directly, God is also the source of sanctification entirely. By the way, God does not do partial, half-baked salvation. There's no half-baked salvation going on. Karen, can I have a Kleenex, please? And by the way, the Lord does not do partial half-baked sanctification things. He directly and entirely saves. Entirely. Entirely. And he directly and entirely sanctifies. Two items to note about the sanctif- this entirety aspect of God's sanctification here in the text. It's tied to the entire person. Look at verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, entirely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things about that. One, it's tied to the entire person. 
The, the text is not bringing up this to have a, is it a dichotomy, trichotomy uh, uh, c- composition of the person? That, that, that's not for the discussion here. That's not where Paul, Silas, and Timothy are going. That, that can be another thing, another time. What Paul, Silas, and Timothy are doing here is trying to bring these words together to help you understand, to help us understand that God saves entirely. Rest in that. Uh, back in that day, it was oftentimes viewed that the body was kind of the casket of the dead. That the soul and all that was contained within the body, and that was the casket. And here, one of the dramatic things about the culture in, with the, in which the Thessalonians lived is that the fact that this is even tied to the body was dramatic. God does not save partially. God's all about the whole package deal. And that should be reassuring and encouraging. And also note it's tied to the parousia. It's tied to the coming of Christ. His sanctifying work is about the entire person. His sanctifying work is moving towards the return of Christ. Sanctification is a looking forward reality. Set-apartness is looking forward to something. We have been positionally sanctified at our salvation. Redeemed by Christ, sealed all God's work. There is one day when we will be ultimately sanctified. The whole package will be ultimate glorification. Bring it on like today would be awesome. Especially with the colds. (laughs) But we are in this not earning it. We are in this salvation that is there. And yet there is a reality of being set apart, of progressively growing in Christ. More and more in that. You and I know the battle of that every day, right? That's why Paul says, I I, want to do what's right, but it's like I can't do what's right. Oh, there's there's this battle within me. And then at the end of the passage, he says, oh, but there's victory in Christ. And he's right God is doing entirety work in us. Completely, entirely by God at the return of Christ. God is the source of sanctification directly. God is the source of sanctification entirely. And God is the source of sanctification faithfully. Now may the God of peace, now may the God of your salvation himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go. He who calls you is what? He will surely do it. This is so interesting. This verse ties to the beginning of verse 23 because he who calls you, that's referring again to salvific terminology. It's like, hey, remember I just said that the one who saves you will sanctify you? It's like, let me repeat that again. Because he who calls you is faithful, he who calls you is faithful in your salvation, know this. He who calls you and is faithful is also faithful in carrying out your sanctification and setting you apart more and more unto him. He who calls you, he will surely do it. That's cool, Doug, but I'm just not really sure God can do that. No, he can do that. It's all a bit mysterious to me, Doug, how it all works up, works out. Just kind of actually, I just got questions like 
flowing out of my mind. That's okay, but he still will do it. Even in our questions. Doug, I'm just not discerning of any of this. Why would God do that with me? I don't deserve any of that, you might be saying. I get it. But he is the one that is faithful. But I'm so unfaithful. I know, me too. You see, but he is the one who does the work of sanctification. And he who does it, he is faithful. But Doug, no. Are you okay with the mystery of it all? Doug, this is all kind of somewhat mysterious. I know, isn't that awesome? I mean, do we want everything in life to be explainable? To be boxed up in little packages? I mean, do we think that we should be able to fully define and describe God? What's with that? I mean, where's just reveling in the mystery and the majesty and magnificence of who God is? Like, let's just be so awed by mystery of how God works that we just love that. That's my God. Revel in it. Yeah, but Doug, Scripture says, I have to put off sin. I have to, in fact, cautious here, I have to put it to death. And I have to put on righteousness. And, and so I have to work it, right? And, and Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. I mean, there, there's, there's, a, there's an action there. And God gave ten commandments. I mean, if he does it all, well, why did he give commandments for us to do things? I understand. And we are called to put off and put on. And we are called to pursue him. But within that, I think we have a tweak of messed up thinking. We have this way about us of thinking, if I do that, then he'll lean into me. No. That's not what we're talking about. You see, if I do that, if I please him, then he'll love me back. No. When help me here, when we lean in, then we respond. See, the other way is, if I respond, then he will lean in. No. No. When we lean in and when we fall in, we will want to respond. We will want to put off. Got a bad marriage? Lean into the Lord.
got troubles going on in life, struggling with sin, lean into the Lord. Are there practical things that can be done? Absolutely. But listen, put those before leaning into the Lord and we have a problem. Following the Lord is not a formula. Following the Lord is a relationship. And he calls, lean into me. Because scripture also said, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you. Scripture also says that he will build his church. So now I'm all about having plans and putting things together and having uh, things structured out. But I got to tell you, friends, I got to get, we have to have a be at a place where we're like, the Lord built this place, not us. And Scripture also says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Less trying so hard to understand everything about the Lord and just more falling into him. Less trying so hard to remove all the mystery of the Lord and more just falling and leaning into Him. Less trying so hard to reason all of who God is and just more falling into Him. Friends, I believe if these two verses here were not in Thessalonians, we could walk away from this chapter and mess it up like we normally do. And we as a church and as, as leaders take this and go, so how are we going to make this happen? We're going to come up with programs and we're going to come up and and listen, those are all fine. I'm not not totally trashing those out. But at the same time, we can do all that and not ultimately lean into the Lord. And this is one of those things, it's a reminder. Listen, the God who saved you is the God who sanctifies you. So rest. Rest. But Doug, if you say that, then people are like not going to work out their salvation. No, rest in the Lord. And as you lean into the Lord and see his majesty increasingly so, I promise you, scripture promises that as we do that, we will walk away from that going, my goodness, I want to do less sin and more of him. That's the source. He's the source of it all. Let's lean into the source. Any suggestions how we can make this happen? (laughs) Yeah, actually. First, see it. Man, these two verses have been help to me this week. I'm a doer. And I think less doing, more falling into. Because in falling into, the doing just comes out. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between Mary and Martha? It is not saying don't serve. It's not saying that. 
Instead, we can serve and we can serve and we can serve and we can serve and we can do and we can do and we can do and we can do. And the Lord's like, hey, would you just like sit down for a little bit? Just sit down and just be with me for a little bit. How about that? Martha, I love you. Just sit down here with your sister Mary and let's let's talk. See it. Might I say from that, say it. I mean, to yourself. Man, I, I, I just, I, 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 I need to fall into the Lord. Say it to the Lord. Lord, I, I'm just, I need to fall. You're the source. I just, I just need to lean into you, Lord. I, I just need to, I just, I, Lord, I just need to. Hey, say it a small group. Hey, small group. I got some growth to be doing. God is working on me in this. I just need to start getting more serious about leaning into the Lord. By the way, do you sense in you, if you're already thinking that, you're like, let's see, what do I have to do? So that means I have to have a quiet time every day at a devotional. And that means after church, I have to go out and buy a devotional book because that's why you're supposed to do it. Do you see how we go? Be careful. See it, say it. I'm gonna say this. Set apart it. Just fall. What's our next sermon series? We're going to fall into the Lord. I'd really... You know me, sorry. I'd really thought about doing Second Th- Thessalonians. I just don't have it in me. Too much end times talk. I just don't have it in me. I just need to fall in the Lord. So, starting Sunday, August 1st, October 1st, um, we're going to do that together. We're going to go to Psalms. What's Psalms, Doug? Eh, I don't know. Come, we'll find out. <laughs> and we're just going to go to the Psalms and we're just going to seek to fall into the Lord. This text is such a big deal. Um, I'd already planned on doing that weeks before. It's just so cool how God works. And we're just going to together take a couple months October and November for sure maybe even December and we're just going to together just lean into the Lord okay we're just going to see him in trials we're going to see him in delightful we're going to see him in the mundane and we're just going to fall into him and let's see what the Lord does see it say it set apart it the last one, we're going to sing it. Um, I'm going to pray, and then the worship team will come up, and, uh, well, I think it'll make sense. 
So Lord, thank you for being the God that saves God of peace. God that calms the storm of the depravity of sin. The God that directly, entirely, and faithfully saves. It doesn't stop there. You are not only the God who saves, you are the God who sanctifies. You are the God that is directly involved in the entire working of sanctification in our lives. And you are faithfully at it. Your will for us is that we would grow in being set apart people. More for you. And what's so cool about it is you are in charge of that whole process. You are working life to do exactly that. You are allowing hurts and pains and failures and successes and all kinds of things to take place in life to help us through this. You love us so much that you are desiring to see the sanctification be a reality in our lives. You don't want us to be stale. You don't want us to be stiff in you. You want us to be increasingly set apart unto you. And you will even use, as Johnny Erickson taught us, said, you will even use the things that you hate to accomplish the things that you love. And that includes our sanctification. You will allow us to be pressed and pushed and strained and squeezed. Because you know that the thing that is best for us and is most glorious for you is our growth in you. And God, we're filled with a room of people who you are at work at, directly with. So Lord, you know the situations going on in life. And you are the source of that. And I would ask God, oh, do your work on me, on us. And God, may we strengthen one another, come alongside one another, encourage one another, help the weak, help the faint-hearted, love the fallen. Directly, you are doing this. Entirely, it will be accomplished. And faithfully, you will not give up on us. And you will not give up on seeing us grow. Lord, We need you.
Christ's name we pray.